there's simply not enough child and adolescent psychiatrists to meet this unmet demand. And Project Teach really supports pediatricians and other primary care health providers to care for children, adolescents, and their families who otherwise wouldn't seek services. We hear from our colleagues across the state that participating together in this program is one of the most gratifying professional experiences they have because the work is so meaningful. Hello, I'm Rob Hoyle, and welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk. While we associate mental health care with psychologists and psychiatrists, primary care doctors are often the first point of contact for children and families who experience mild to moderate behavioral health issues in the U.S. To strengthen and support their ability to deliver that care, a statewide program called Project TEACH provides free psychiatric consultation, support, and training. TEACH stands for Training and Education for the Advancement of Children's Health. And since its inception in 2010, nearly half of the 9,000 primary care physicians in New York State have signed up, leading to over 23,000 consultations of pediatric patients, a critical resource amidst an ongoing maternal and child mental health crisis in the U.S. Our guests today helped to found and now lead this unique program, which is a collaboration between the New York State Office of Mental Health and seven top universities and hospitals across the state led by University at Buffalo. Dr. David Kay is Professor of Psychiatry and Vice Chair of Academic Affairs at the University of Buffalo and the Executive Director for Project Teach. Dr. Kay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Dr. Kay, you know our next guest very well, another co-founder of Project Teach. Dr. Victor Fenari is Vice Chair and the Director of the Division of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at Northwell Health and the Site Medical Director of Project Teach. Dr. Fenari, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Finally, we have Dr. Christina Delagenitis. She is the Director of Women's Behavioral Health at Zucker Hill State Hospital, a part of Northwell Health, and the new Medical Director of Reproductive Psychiatry for Project Teach. Reproductive psychiatry is actually a new branch of the program created through a recent five-year, $16.8 million grant from New York State, which expands Project Teach's behavioral health services to now also support OBGYNs, family physicians, and other clinicians who work with women who are pregnant or have recently given birth. As a statewide lead, Dr. Delgenitis will oversee the effort to combat maternal depression and other prenatal mental health disorders using Project Teach's uniquely collaborative approach. Dr. Delgenitis, thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. The number of Americans who could benefit from access to mental health care is staggering, and there is, aren't enough providers to meet the demand. Dr. Delgenitis, among women who are pregnant who have recently given birth, how many are in need? Yeah, the number is quite large. So um, approximately 80% of all women who give birth have some, you know, time-limited transient symptoms, um, changes in their mood, their sleep, obviously. Um, they can experience periods of feeling overwhelmed. Um, and uh, But these, these don't impair their functioning, and they don't require clinical treatment. So for most women, they're able to transition after the delivery, and within two weeks, they feel like themselves again. But for one in four women, they are diagnosed with a perinatal psychiatric disorder. And so that's 25% of all women who are pregnant or postpartum. And we know a subset of these women with severe psychiatric illness um, can have suicidal ideation or, or other complications. And, and in New York State, one in eight 
women with uh, a pregnancy-related death is due to suicide uh, in the first postpartum year. And, you know, 100% of those deaths are preventable. So in this um, new state-funded program from the Office of Mental Health, the Project Teach Maternal Mental Health Initiative, we really seek to be able to reduce maternal psychiatric morbidity and mortality um, in our state and, and in our, in our, in our uh, patients. So. Yeah, sometimes just having that conversation is so important. Absolutely. Dr. Fenari, um, the pandemic has had a huge impact on emotional health in general. How has it impacted uh, our youth when it comes to behavioral health? Well, currently we're in the midst of a national child mental health crisis. Prior to the pandemic, one in five youth already met criteria for at least one psychiatric disorder prior to the age of 18. And for many of those disorders, the pandemic has really almost doubled the prevalence of anxiety and depression. And so we're really struggling because our youth are really in crisis. Yeah. And I guess empowering doctors and primary care physicians through Project Teach is making a huge impact. Well, there's simply not enough child and adolescent psychiatrists to meet this unmet demand. And Project Teach really supports pediatricians and other primary care health providers to care for children, adolescents, and their families who have mild to moderate mental health problems who otherwise wouldn't seek services. We hear from our colleagues across the state that this participating together in this program is one of the most gratifying professional experiences they have because the work is so meaningful. Dr. Kay, how did Project Teach begin and can you explain how it works? New York State Office of Mental Health uh, initiated the Project Teach in 2010. We are a consortium of seven academic centers across the state of New York, and we provide all the services for the program. Uh, we think of the program as, as a three-legged stool, and our seven groups work together to uh, offer these services. The first, number one, is real-time phone consultation. We have a toll-free number that healthcare professionals, physicians can pick up the phone, call us, and they can speak with an expert child psychiatrist or reproductive psychiatrist immediately or within 30 minutes or at their convenience. So they have real-time phone consultation support. Number two, help with linkage and referral for their patients. And number three, formal CME education. All of our uh, consortium psychiatrists and um, program personnel work together on this to have one consistent program across the entire state. Dr. K, can you give us an example of when a pediatrician might use Project Teach? So what we do is we will talk with a child's pediatrician, for example, and the pediatrician will call us and say, oh, I've got this child that uh, uh, I got a call today. This child is on X medicine. They're not eating anymore. What should I do? Uh, what can I do to help with this issue? So we, we get calls um, about medications, about therapy, about other community, community resources. So we help the pediatricians, the family docs, the obstetricians, psychiatrists can call us. So in essence, we're teaching them to fish. 
Dr. K just mentioned the many types of healthcare providers that this program supports. Sandra Lindsay, the newest addition to our team here at 20 Minute Health Talk, recently spoke with two pediatricians about their experience using Project Teach. Here's a snippet of her conversation with Dr. Maureen Montgomery, a pediatrician at SUNY Buffalo. This has been a huge shift for you. Yes, it has. How has the resources and the tools from Project Teach prepared you to handle this increase? It's really a it's a real shift in your skill set, first of all. You know, you become more aware of what the symptoms are. And then we had so many uh, tools that the pr- Project Teach has given us to use to screen for different kinds of conditions. There really are quite a few things we've learned to do right in the practice for kids. Simple uh, interventions, teaching children how to ground themselves and become less anxious, just teaching some CBT skills. And actually, those tools are invaluable. It's, it's changed everything. It's changed the culture of our practice. To hear more firsthand experiences using Project Teach, check back next week for Sandra's full interview with Dr. Montgomery, as well as Dr. David Fagan, Vice Chairman of Pediatric Ambulatory Administration at Cohen Children's Medical Center. Dr. Fenari, tell us how a, a typical consult may go. Well, we would receive a telephone call on our uh, one line that people would see on our website, and it would go to uh, someone who would take the information, our liaison coordinator, and depending upon the request, then the call would be channeled either to a child psychiatrist who was then covering the phone or to the perinatal psychiatrist, and they would take the call in real time if available, or but certainly call back within 30 minutes if they were tied up on another call. And we would take, the liaison coordinator would have taken some preliminary information, so we had a general idea of the age, uh, the grade, uh, and other clinical aspects of the child, but no name, because really this is for education, not clinical care so that we didn't establish a doctor-patient relationship, but rather would talk hypothetically about how one would proceed with a child of this age with the nature of the concern. And then we would discuss the case with the primary care physician, make some recommendations, oftentimes asking them to get some rating scales or to obtain additional history. Many of the calls might include follow-up Uh, telephone calls several weeks or a month later. Uh, And uh, after each call, we ask whether or not we accomplished what they wanted, if they were satisfied. And uh, really from the primary care feedback response, uh, the satisfaction was very high. How unique is this program nationally? Because I really wouldn't think of a pediatrician or an OBGYN as someone who would be treating something like anxiety or an issue that's similar to that Are there other programs like this in other parts of the country? Approximately 30 states around the United States have some theme and variation of a collaborative care program. However, the one in New York State is the most robust to provide education for primary care. And we know from the hits on our website that there are people in 40 states and 50 countries around the globe who are accessing our resources. Dr. Delagenitis, are there major differences between the pediatric and the perinatal sides of this program? We actually function very similarly to our colleagues in the child and adolescent psychiatry side. Um, All of our services are at no cost to prescribers in the state of New York. Um, And uh, I would say 
The one main difference is that the child adolescent psychiatry side does provide some face-to-face consultations, um, but we do not provide that service on the perinatal psychiatry side as of yet. Okay. Um, Does it help to have the rest of the team's experience now in its 13th year, and how has it helped you develop your team? Yeah, so... um, you know, the, the expansion of the access program to include maternal mental health was was a need for a great time in the, in the state. Um, but nationally, uh, it was good to, to hear the, the numbers from Dr. Fernari. There are approximately 16 programs in the United States um, that are perinatal psychiatry access programs. Um, and they're all structured quite differently. Um, but, you know, when you look at the data, um, the programs are, are not just diverse, but they're mainly disconnected from their child and adolescent psychiatry access program. So there will be states that have the child side, but don't have the perinatal side and vice versa. And so we're so fortunate that we are funded by one funder because some states they're funded by different entities. They're run differently. They did have different um, uh, uh, aims and goals. We have just an expanded mission now. And it's still the same mission, the same stool, but now we provide it to pregnant and postpartum patients. Um, And so uh, we've just benefited so much as we've got this up and running as of January 1st this year from the wisdom of our child and adolescent psychiatry team and and we'll continue to grow. Yeah, yep. I just want to add in addition to this, based on our presentations and some of our publications, we've been uh, contacted by other states to help them to develop collaborative care programs in other regions of the United States. And now we've also been contacted by other countries to try to help them to develop this kind of a program that would fit with the resources of uh, their communities. Yeah. There's such a stigma sometimes with, with mental health and we're normalizing the conversation. We're having the conversation. How important is that to have resources like Project Teach and to be able to advocate for it? Well, I think if there is a silver lining to the pandemic, and there are several, one of them is that mental health has become part of the public discourse. And I think there's a general understanding that there's no health without mental health. And that's something that all of us really believe in. That's awesome. What- I think also bringing this into primary care and into the mainstream really helps to to destigmatize uh, mental health issues. I mean, what we're what we're doing is um, helping pediatricians, family docs, OBGYNs to embrace this agenda, to to feel comfortable, to have some confidence, to have some skills in discussing this, so that we they're taking advantage of uh, the already established relationships that they have and the trust that they have with people. So I I think that it it, uh, really helps from that uh, end as well. Yeah. Dr. Kay, how does it feel uh, being a co-founder of this program to see it it take off the way it has and, and how people are getting the help they need? Oh, it's it's just a total joy and pleasure and uh, honor to be able to do this. And, um, you know, every week that I'm on the phone, I I get feedback from the pediatricians, the family docs and so forth about how helpful the program is. That's awesome. Dr. Delgenitas, have you seen that ripple effect? Yeah, so um, so we're starting off, right? We, we began January 1st, and I think we're starting as the child psychiatry um, and adolescent psychiatry program started 
you know, in, in a decade ago, that um, we're starting with um, many maternal health providers that are very eager to do this. They recognize the need, and they they recognize uh, the impact of untreated psychiatric illness in pregnancy or or after delivery um, for their patients and for their families. And so they're 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 eager to to learn and to and to partner with us and, and collaborate. Um, but we're at the very beginning, and so um, much of what we need to do is is um, establish who we are um, as as a resource for them across the state, and then um, then create those partnerships, create those um, relationships with the individual practices and providers. And and so I was on call yesterday, and a couple of the calls that I had were repeat calls, and uh, just checking in again on patients they were caring for and managing, and felt competent in doing so and comfortable doing so, and just that they're so comforted to know that they have me in their back pocket. And so they can just ring up and they know they're, 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 when they're going to get me or one of our one of our wonderful team members. Um, and just having that immediate real-time support allows them to do this work. So it's incredibly gratifying. They always just, they're just so thankful at the end of the call. It's uh, so gratifying. That's awesome. You know, when things work well, it's really a joy. And we're so grateful to the New York State Office of Mental Health for really being forward thinking for supporting this for increasing the reach by now including maternal mental health and so it's really been something that's been very gratifying and without the collaboration from the office of mental health this program would not have been possible it's awesome well we always like to end on a positive note here on 20 minute health talk so i want to ask all three of this question but i'll start with you dr delaginitas what gives you hope what gives you optimism going forward this program provides incredible hope. Um, just to see what we've been able to accomplish in the first uh, several months has been amazing. Um, to be able to bring together these seven academic hubs and uh, create a cohesive educational platform, identify areas of need in, a, in their primary care clinicians' um, lives, um, to start doing that face-to-face uh, -face and, and sometimes virtual uh, outreach and networking and creating relationships, um, this all provides um, us hope. You know, we also have a real robust clinical program at Northwell at Zucker Hillside Hospital. Um, we lead uh, numerous training programs so that we're training um, our OBGYN residents, our pediatric residents, our psychiatry residents in perinatal psychiatry. So we're changing, right? We're, they're going to have this early on and not learn about it once they've been in practice for 10, 20, 30 years. And so we're changing the face of medical education. Um, and then we're pushing the envelope in our research program for postpartum depression. So we have a federally funded research program at Northwell um, so that we're developing the novel therapeutics. We're, we're trying to understand why um, perinatal patients are at risk for developing mental illness. So, so with all of these different facets, all of that just gets me so excited every morning when I head to work. That's awesome. Dr. K, what gives you hope? What gives you optimism going forward? It's just um, a total joy to be able to collaborate with experts around the state to work to work together uh, on something bigger than ourselves that is of service to uh, so many kids and families and, and uh, women. Um, so th I would say that's that's what what gives me hope and, and pleasure. 
Awesome. Dr. Fenari, same question. What gives you hope? What gives you optimism going forward? Well, I think being able to talk about mental health problems as we would any health problem gives me hope because we know that shame and stigma often interfered with people's access to care. And without access to care, really the risks for these young people are tremendous. So I think the open conversation without shame, without stigma, uh, really is uh, the most hopeful thing. That's great. Well, I want to thank all three of you for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Rob Hoyle. Have a great day and stay safe. Get more expert insight from the leading voices in healthcare today. You can subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk wherever podcasts are available.